Hello, welcome back, horse guys and gals. Hope you guys have had an awesome week since we last talked. Um, here in Iowa, we have been getting all of the melty, warm weather this week, and it's it's kind of nice, but also not. I think we all know what it means when we get warm weather this time of year. Um, we had like a foot of snow a week ago, and this week has been like 40s, almost 50. And so everything is melted, and it is so soggy and sloppy and muddy out. So that's kind of unfortunate, but, you know, I'll take the mud. I'll take the mud over the negative wind chills and the brutal, horrible cold. Um, yeah, so everybody's a muddy mess right now. It's really not so bad other than the fact that I live on a gravel road. And it gets so torn up and awful that I worry about my car even be able, being able to go through it. Like, for those of you that live on gravel, you know when it gets to be so bad that, like, the road is turning black because, like, it's being dug down so far. It's, like, bringing up dirt, basically. You're not even driving on gravel anymore. You're just trying to drive on the dirt. And they're just so soft and sloppy. And, yeah, it, it really sucks. Um, and my driveway is the same way. And so is the entire yard. So every time I've gotten a horse out, like they just leave these big hoof print holes in the ground and they just tear up the whole yard really bad. And I'm not like super picky in particular about my yard, but I don't really want it like torn up with big holes and stuff. And so, yeah, that's rough. I got Oakley and Mesa out yesterday. So for those of you that don't know, I don't think I've even announced it really because I wanted to make sure that it would all work out, but I acquired another horse. Oh my God. I shouldn't, it sounds so ridiculous even saying that every time now I get another one, I'm just like, I don't even want to tell anyone because I'm actually embarrassed, but she it used to belong to my borders. So for those of you that watch my channel and watch the vlogs and stuff, you probably already know her. Um, she had a foal here last year or the year before. I don't remember. Um, yeah, 2021, fall 2021, she had a foal here. Um, Odin, which is the little Palomino. She is the sorrel chestnut. I don't know. She's kind of, I feel like she's a dark chestnut, almost a sorrel mare that um, has lived here off and on because she belonged to my borders. Well, my borders originally tried to sell her or give her to somebody else and it just never worked out. And from what I know, they never like actually received proper payment for her or at least agreed on something for payment. Anyways, when they wanted to move their horses back here, they just brought her with. <laughs> so um, I have like a bill of sale and everything for her. So, I mean, she is mine now, but basically, yeah, she belongs to me now. So she's kind of a project. She is already broke. So she's broke already, but she has like some major anxiety problems. Like 
extreme buddy sour hot mess. Like I got her out a few days ago because come February, I wanted to move her over with my other ones. Um, and so I don't know if you guys watch my videos, the boarded horses have their own dry lot. And then my horses are literally like 50 feet across the yard, like across my driveway on the other side and have their own lot. You can, they can see each other fully (laughs) from the two dry lots. Well, I got her out and I put her across the driveway in with my other ones. And you can tell I go through horses a lot because my horses were like, great, whatever, another horse, goodbye, we'll be over here at the round bale. Didn't care at all. So it's not like they were up in her business or anything. Um, She sniffed with them a couple times, but I couldn't even leave her out there by herself. I tied her to a tree and let her stand for a little while. But she was like pacing up and down the fence. She was stomping. She was like um, trembling. She was literally shaking and trembling. Um, Just horrible. Um, So I tied her to a tree and I left her out there for a little while. I was like, maybe she'll kind of make mingle with my horses and feel comfortable with them. Oh, my gosh. I came back out back out after about an hour or so and she did kind of mingle with my horses so she has met them but she was still I mean she had calmed down a little bit but was still pacing around you know circling around the tree and whatever and I was like okay this is gonna take more than just leaving you out here to calm down so I put her back with her normal herd um, who were never out of eyesight by the way she could see them this entire time Um, And so I'm like, I'm just going to have to do this a lot slower than I thought. And if anybody else has had a situation like this, feel free to give me advice down below. Um, I have had buddy sour horses in my life. I mean, pretty much all horses will get buddy sour, you know, from sitting or whatever. And Mesa has been a pasture puff for like two or three years. But... I've never had anything this extreme. Like I've never had a horse that will literally tremble, um, panic because they're away from their friends. Uh, Most of my horses, they just paw and sugar will even rear like her little pathetic six inches off the ground rear. Um, and I can feel totally safe just leaving them alone to deal with their issues. But her case is like so extreme that the way I'm going to go about it, I think, is just getting her out like an hour a day, almost every day or most days, tying her at the hitching post and leaving her there for an hour every single day until she slowly gets over it or can at least find comfort with my horses who are right across the fence. Um, and yesterday I got her out because it was nice and I was like, I might as well get her out. Um And I didn't want her to tear up the yard because it's so soft right now. So I actually just stayed out there with her and she was great. Like if I was there with her, if I went into my shed to get my brushes, she kind of started to stir around a little bit. But if I was standing out there brushing her and stuff, she was fine. So it's, it's clearly like when she is by herself without me or the other horses, like if I leave her there. Um, And she still needs to get over that. Like, it definitely needs to be dealt with. Uh, But let me know if you guys have had any that are just really, really extreme. Because I think this is definitely going to take time. But, you know, that's what I do. I do projects. 
Um, and then I got out Oakley because Oakley has also been sitting most of the winter. Um, and I just got her out. I actually did want to work with her, but she was very clearly feeling a little insecure. She did let me halter her. Took a little bit, but she let me halter her. Um, I got her out and she was just kind of like eh, a little spooky, just really unsure. She, you know, if you guys know the whole story with her, you'll understand. She was just feeling insecure, I could tell. So I just got her out to the hitching post and I just brushed her off, spent some time with her. And um, I think that was like enough of a refresher and stuff. Um, me touching her and being in her space and stuff like that. So I put her back and and we will continue to just kind of revisit those things that we left on in the fall until it gets warm out. We are supposed to get snow again this weekend, but I'm not confident that it's going to stick because it's supposed to be like 35 or something. So I'm sure it's going to snow, but it'll just make it more muddy. So I think I'm going to get a couple of stall mats and like some gravel or rock and put that down where my hitching post is just so they can't tear it up so bad. I'm sure they'll find a way, but at least that'll help protect the ground a little bit. But anyways, let's get into today's stories so um, we can get on with this episode. Now that we're 10 minutes in, I've got some Reddit stories to read. Um, these are just some regular stories and asking for advice and stuff, but you guys seem to enjoy the Am I the Asshole episode, so let me know if you want another one of those in the future, and we'll do that. But let's move on to our first story. All right. This one is called Tipping Instructor Etiquette. I'm starting lessons at a new barn, and I've noticed their website says tipping is always appreciated but never expected. I don't currently have my own horse, so I'll be just taking regular private lessons at $70 each. I've been riding on and off for almost 20 years and never heard of tipping an instructor, but I've always also been at much smaller barns than this new one. Do most people usually tip, and if so, how much? Thanks. Okay, I'm going to read some comments quick. I would tip a guide like on a trail trail ride or something, but not an instructor. Maybe that's what they're referring to on the website. Um, and the OP responds, that's possible. They do trail rides as well, so maybe I'm overthinking it. No, if they don't pay the instructor properly while charging $70 a lesson, that's on them. Hi, I never thought of tipping either. I give Christmas gifts, etc., but this feels weird. I've been in the horse world about 30 years and loads of lessons, etc. At least where I am, this is not a thing at all. I've never tipped in all my years of lessening. No, I was an instructor. Rarely saw tips, but it was appreciated when they happened. Want to become best friends with them? Bring drinks and snacks, lol. <laughs> and iced coffee. That's a good point. Um, so I just thought this was interesting for one that a regular private lesson is $70 each. Um, I know that lessons have gone up in price since like I was little and took lessons 25 to 35 range was average. Like when I was younger, but I know it can also depend like what you're taking a lesson on and like big instructors or clinicians and stuff like that that come to the area and do like a day of private lessons 
they'll do like up to a hundred each lesson, which is insane to me. I don't know where these people, these eventers and stuff have that much money, but I feel like if you're paying $70 and a lot of times like instructors aren't even giving a full hour lesson anymore. It's like 45 minutes or something now. So I don't think that I've ever met an instructor that um, is expecting tips. Now, I personally work at a trail riding ranch throughout the summer when they're open. So we do actually work for tips there. I Technically, I volunteer. And the tips are expected because that's how the guides get paid. And usually that's disclosed. I've also been to other trail riding facilities where it states like Wranglers work for tips and stuff like that. So I'm going to bet that that is probably what this website means with that statement because I also have never met or been to a barn that expects you to tip the lesson instructors. But let me know if your guys' barn does that. That's an interesting one if you ask me. Um. This next one is called Feeling Stuck. I'm having a really hard time right now advancing in anything when it comes to riding or horses in general. I feel so stuck. A bit of background, I'm 17, about to be 18, and I've been riding since I was 9. I do barrels, and I'm interested in cutting or, like, other cow work, too. I lease a horse as well. The reason I'm so stressed is because I feel like I haven't learned anything new in so long. I haven't had a lesson in over a month because of the rain here in California, and now my trainer will be out for the rest of January and how, and the beginning of February. I want to get better and learn more and ride more, but I just don't know how I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to. Sorry. I see other girls my age doing so much, like going to competitions and training horses and so much, and it feels like I've wasted all these years doing nothing. I want to learn more and do more, and it seems like no one around me wants to help me or anything. My family are not horse people either, which makes it harder because none of them understand. This might seem dumb, but I really just want to learn more, and I feel like I can't without having a trainer for almost a month and no lessons. I've even tried reaching out to other trainers in my area, but none of them ever reply to my emails or phone calls. Okay, I think I saved this one because I can relate to it a lot. And this whole kind of concept really is like why I started a YouTube channel. And I know my YouTube channel is not very big. Um, I know it doesn't get a lot of views. I know it's still quite small. But I feel like I have kind of made a community for people, girls or guys like this. Um, for one, it is very frustrating when you're trying to reach out to somebody like an instructor or a barn owner, stuff like that, where you literally want to give them business and they can't even reply to your email. Um, but for those of you that maybe have not been here since the beginning, I grew up in a similar situation to this person. Um, I got two horses when I was seven, eight. I don't remember. Um, seven or eight. My dad just bought me these two horses because he, I loved horses. I was in that horse phase and I think he expected me to grow out of it or maybe was hoping I would grow out of it. And I never did. Um, but he had one 
family friend that was into horses. And so she kind of helped me a little bit. But my dad was a single dad at the time. He couldn't afford to like send me to lessons to get my horses professionally trained and stuff like that. So I pretty much was on my own and have been for the most part on my own throughout my entire horse journey. I have self-taught myself a lot of things. And when I say self-taught, I mean kind of taking the initiative myself to figure things out and learn them. Um, And that's really how I kind of got involved in YouTube because I started Googling and looking up how to do things with my horses, how to teach them things, how I can learn as a beginner who barely knows anything. I knew how to like brush my horses and how to halter them. I didn't even tie them right. I think I literally like tied them in a double knot to a post. (laughs) And luckily that never backfired on me, but um, it definitely could have. And I just really didn't know much at all. It wasn't till I was maybe 12 or so that I started really riding with that family friend. And she was really showing me how to, how to do more stuff, but she would only do so much, you know, um, because it's not like I paid her for lessons or anything. So I really had to just figure out what I was supposed to do because I wanted to learn. I wanted to do things with my horses. They were not broke. They didn't, I broke sugar out completely myself. Um, and I'm not saying I did, did everything the right way or the best way, but I, I got her broke out so that I could ride her. And, you know, I just had to learn as I went. And my, my family is not horsey people either. Not a single one of them. Um, my dad was never brought up around horses. He was brought up around sheep and cows and stuff like that. Um, and my mom's side of the family weren't even farmers, really. They just weren't country people. So I just had to, had to figure it out. And it was really, really hard. It was really frustrating. And I can relate to this OP because... Because of all of that, because of the way I got started in the horse world, I struggle with the same thing as being behind. Like, I feel like, I don't know if it's like coming up sharp week or what, but I have been really emotional the last couple of days, but I see other girls my age that are doing a lot more than I am. And that can be really hard sometimes. Like they are making whole careers out of their horses in one sport or another. Um, there's a girl actually, I got Hazel from a girl that boarded at that barn and she has like multiple, I don't know if there's multiple, I don't know how many she has. She has world championship titles with her horse and she wins the, um, cowgirl queen contest every year. And she's doing really awesome. She has a giant following too. And it's, you just see the other girls your age and it can be really hard not to compare yourself to them and feel like, how did they get such a better start than I did? But I will say one thing that Hazel's old old owner told me, which I still think about her telling me this because it, it really helped, um, that kind of insecure feeling that I have sometimes And I went to pick up Hazel and she had not been loaded into a trailer in months. And Hazel is one of those horses that you have to consistently do something or it's just all out the window. 
And so we were trying to run Hazel in and that was not working. She wouldn't, was not going near that trailer. And so I asked, you know, can I, can I try and do it? So I fought and fought and fought and fought with Hazel. She ripped the rope out of my hand so many times. She ran off. She literally ran through their fence. She busted all the boards um, because she shoved her body through it. And it took us a couple hours, but eventually through like pressure and release and pushing her towards the trailer and releasing and pushing her a little closer towards the trailer and releasing and fighting back and forth with her, I could not let her win. I got her in the trailer and, you know, afterwards her owner like invited me inside and stuff. They were making dinner. And so we ate dinner. And like I said, that girl that has all the world championship awards and stuff boards at this barn and trains and offers lessons and stuff. And she was telling me, you know, that me and her should do a clinic sometime or something together. And, you know, and we got to talking and I just, just like, you know, I, you know, I don't go to a lot of the shows and stuff and I see like the things that this girl is doing with her horse and the awards she's won and how well she's done. And, you know, I know that that's just not something I'm ever going to be able to do. And she goes, well, cause that girl is the same age as me. I think we would have been in the same graduating class, but her owner, Hazel's owner says, well, she would have never been able to to do what you just did outside. And I was like, really? She's like, absolutely not. That would have scared the crap out of her. There's no way, you know, she does showing and she trains that fine tuning and stuff like that really well. But that type of stuff, the hard and nitty gritty, like dirty work that you just did outside to get that horse in the trailer, she would have never been able to do that. So it's not that either one of you are bad riders in any way. You're just good at different things. And so that has stuck with me for, I haven't even owned Hazel a year, so it hasn't been that long ago. But I think back to that a lot when I start to feel insecure and I start to see these girls that are even younger than I am that are going to like these, you know, um, all these big jackpot barrel races and they're winning money and they're winning more money than I make in a month. And it can be really frustrating. And like, but I think back to, um, what she told me that it doesn't mean that you're a bad rider. If you know, these girls are doing things bigger than you are. It just means that you're good at a different type of horsemanship and you're good at a different area. And so I try to remind myself of that a lot and try to just keep an open mind that all of us have to keep learning. There's there's never going to be a horseman that knows everything. And if they do, they're lying because we all have areas that we need to improve on. And I have to like remind myself too that there are so many different niche areas of the horse world. Like there's so many different sports. There's some people that like they pick a niche and whether that's like clicker training or it's trick training or it's bareback or it's, you know, rodeo or it's you know, colt starting and they they just focus on one area and they're good at it. But I struggle with trying to be good at all of them. And so I'm never really good at any one of them. So where was I even going with that? I don't even remember. 
The point is, keep learning. Everybody has to learn somewhere. Everyone has to start somewhere. And if you're feeling insecure, remind yourself that there are other people that are always going to be doing better than you. And there's always going to be people that aren't doing as good as you. And you just have to figure out what it is that you want to learn, what it is you want to focus on. And there, there is a way. You just have to find a way. Um, and it'll come to you. But anywho, that was long-winded. So let's move on to the next one. Okay, this next one is called gray slash white slash other light horse owners tips for keeping them spotless. Oh my gosh, hold on. I got to reposition. <sighs> okay. My horse is a Perlino Pinto. So you can imagine how she looks 99% of the time. The dirt is just a part of her natural appearance at this point. I feel like no matter what shampoo I use or how much I scrub with a sponge or a soft brush, some areas of her legs always stay a bit yellowish or brown. I don't show her at the moment, but one of my biggest horsey dreams is to have a professional photo shoot of the two of us that I can keep forever and look back at. We have maybe one decent photo together taken by a phone camera. A couple of my friends did photo shoots with their horses that turned out lovely, but they're both chestnuts, so they're not going to have any tips for me. I know I can just Photoshop stains out, but I prefer not having them in the first place if it's possible. Does anyone have a product recommendation or cool little tricks? Thanks in advance. Okay, first comment. In general, as someone who has owned a, a gray living outside 24-7, I gave up. <laughs> it's for a photo shoot. I'd wash them the day before, and if weather allows it, get silver shampoo for the trail. Then blanket. Plan a little more time before shooting to scrub the legs. Me too, gave up. I try not to worry about it too much. For some reason, if they get dirty enough, you just stop noticing that they're not clean. <laughs> um, rule number one, don't plan a show or photo shoot. They have extra sense that tells them when to get extra dirty. Um... I re recently started using, quote, the pink stuff on my gray gelding. Seriously, a game changer. It takes the pee slash poo stains right out. Okay, somebody responded to this and said the pink stuff like the bathroom cleaner? Because that's what I thought she was talking about too. But she says, oh god no. It's marketed as equine hair moisturizer product. Well, that's good because I for sure thought she meant like the all-purpose cleaner. But anywho, so, okay, I saved this one because I also have a mostly gray or chrome paint. Sugar is like, I don't know, I don't know which type of paint she is, but her and Luna, I guess Luna has a lot of white on her one side too. But here's the thing. I saved this because I just don't really get why people care so much. <laughs> and that sounds like kind of backwards, like why would you care so much? But no, really though, our horses are white. It, you know, it's nice when they're all white and shiny and nice looking and pretty and the sun glistens off their hair. But let's get real. Like they're horses. They live outside generally in a pasture or a paddock. They're going to get dirty. And yes, it can be ugly. Sugar, at any chance, there's a 
it has rained or you know is muddy out she will coat both sides of her in it all the time she will turn herself black and you know I just don't really care like I don't care and this person says that she doesn't show so at the end of the day why does it really matter (laughs) I mean you know yeah that's that's my question why does it really matter that much of course I brush her and I clean her off before we ride and I try to you know I get all the caked mud and stuff off of her but if she's like got some yellowish stains on her legs who cares like literally it's not a big deal I'm not worried about it she's healthy she's happy she's clean and it's just hair like okay this one is called what is the worst riding slash horse related injury you've had I'll go first. I got kicked in the head and had to get stitches. Luckily, I didn't break anything or worse, but I'm definitely going to look like Harry Potter when it heals. (laughs) Okay, I wanted to read the comments on this one just because. Just because. First comment, not my injury, but I was there and saw it happen. We had a spooky draft mare for some of our carriage rides we offered at my first barn. She was to be clipped for a show, and the guy taking care of her was adamant that she had to have her ears trimmed. It was the middle of winter. Naturally, she had her snow spikes on. He gets up on the ladder and reaches for her ear with the clippers. Next thing we know, she's he's down under her hoof and shrieking bloody murder. Blood was everywhere. She'd tipped him off the stepladder and stepped on his head with the spiked shoe. Oh, my God. He survived, thankfully, and did not have any additional severe injuries, save for his fractured slash punctured skull. It was ugly. I was also provided first aid to a friend who got bucked off for trying to jump three foot bareback on a horse with a sore back. She had a helmet on, thankfully, but when he crow hopped, it sent her flying and the back of her neck landed on the flat side of some fencing nearby, broke it right in half. She was in a neck brace and severely concussed the next time I saw her. Oh my gosh. So the neck injury, that is pretty gnarly. Like that is a serious injury. But the guy that got stepped on in the head, oh my lord. I think I would be scarred for life if I saw something like that. That is really lucky that he survived that. Um, I am surprised, like, if this horse has been clipped a lot, that they would freak out like that. But honestly, it could have been just, like, the flick of her head. Like, if she flicked her head into them, like, because a lot of horses don't like their ears touched, and just knocked him off the ladder, and then somehow he, you know, got under her. But, wow, that is... um, really bad. Next comment says, hadn't ridden in like 20 something years. Work for a friend. Oh, work friend offered a ride on the beach. I accepted very quickly broke two ribs, but enjoyed the next two hours of immense pain trying to pretend I was okay. I wasn't. It was a beautiful beach though. And it did end end up with me eventually buying my own horse. Um, She replies to a comment and said, I hadn't ridden since I was a wee lad. I kind of forgot that squeezing my legs will mean go. So I squeezed to stay on. I didn't even realize I had done it. She essentially took that as let's go and go we did. Very fast into a canter and onto the wet sand that feels like concrete when you hit it at speed. I'm glad I understood that my own idiocy 
And when I healed enough, I got back on ASAP. Well, that's good that like she realized what she did wrong because you know what a pet peeve of mine is when like parents or something like just won't let their kids experience horses because they had one bad experience like 35 years ago with some random kid next door's neighbor's horse that had never been ridden or something like that. And so I like when people can look back and be like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't the horse's fault. Um, but I'm glad she ended up being okay and she got her own horse. Um, somebody said, I fractured my pelvis, took eight weeks to heal, and it hurt to walk. Most painful thing I've ever experienced. Let's see if there's any other good ones. Um, I was riding a pony at the barn I was keeping my horse at. They had three ponies and my friends and I would ride them to give, to give the horses a break. I don't know what that means. It was my turn to ride the really good pony. I was sitting on bareback waiting for my friends to bring out their ponies. I backed up like three steps and a a horse with a foal decided we got too close. She kicked the daylights out of him and she also got my leg just above the ankle. I was literally in shock. My lower leg was numb with a huge indentation. The barn owner came running out and he was sure my leg was broke. My parents came and got me and took me to the hospital. Not one broken bone. 50 years later, I have a slight indentation on that leg. Jeez. Yeah, don't get too close to those mama mares. Um, I want to share my personal worst injury, which is on YouTube. You can go way back and find it if you want. But I cracked my head open in 2017 uh, working with a client horse. I still have the scar on my head. Um, and sometimes like when I get my hair done and stuff, like hairdressers will be like, oh, I didn't realize there was a scar up here, <laughs> but it's very small now. Um, but there's just a little bump, like where my staples were at. And I was working with a client horse. I had two horses by this gal at the time and was really just refreshing them. I think they were both broke, but they needed refreshers. And this mayor. Um, she was, I don't think she had a very good temperament, just not a very good personality in general, which isn't, I'm not blaming the horse, but I got her out because I was picking up her feet, which is something she wasn't great at. So it was just something, you know, we touch on. Anywho, when I start them out, especially horses that are green or whatever, I start with a rope around the ankle or the pasture. And so I wrap it around and I use that because with you know, um, green horses, sometimes they like to fight you a little bit and it's really hard to hold on with your hand. So I wrap a rope around the ankle and I pick it up and I put it down and I pick it up and I put it down. I don't know why this horse literally thought that that was the worst possible thing I could have done to her. And, you know, she started to pull back a little bit and I was like, okay, just let her think it out. She, once she figures out, she's got to pick her foot up. It won't be a big deal. Nope. I tried it again. She ripped back even more. I tried it again, which probably shouldn't have, but I tried it again. She ripped back so hard that she pulled the whole top rail off the hitching post. And because I was like facing her working with her feet, the post came into the back of my head. 
So it cracked my head open. It wasn't severe. Um, it just needed to be stapled back together. Like my skull wasn't injured, but my, my scalp was cracked open. So I had a minor concussion that put me on bed rest for a couple days and I didn't go to school, but it could have been a lot worse. Thankfully it wasn't. And, um, her, the owner Kate just came and got that horse. She was like, she's injured you. She's injured other people. And at this point, I think I just need to take her to the sale barn. And so I was like, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm glad I don't have to work with her anymore, to be honest. <laughs> okay. How much do you pay in ex- in fixed expensive each month? I'm really interested in, in how much the cost around the horse is different for different people each month. So if you're comfortable, please share. So this one is going to be mainly just the comments. So the first comment, my fixed expenses for six horses are as followed. $300 a month for grain, $400 a month for hay, November through March only, $300 every six to eight weeks for farrier, trims only, $500 a month, give or take, for horse-related property maintenance and the materials required to do so. Some months are more, some months are less, but there's always something every month. Still cheaper than boarding six horses, though. $1,200 yearly for routine vet vaccines, floats, general wellness. So, let's see. Three plus four hundred, seven hundred, a thousand. That's every six to eight weeks. So, let's do like one fifty. What was that? So eight fifty plus five hundred would be like thirteen hundred dollars. Is that right? I think around thirteen hundred dollars. Probably wrong. Anyway, thirteen hundred dollars a month for six. On all in all, that doesn't sound that bad. Okay, next one: six hundred for board, two hundred for lessons, fifty-five-ish weeks for trim, or six weeks for trimmed. I don't know if that's for one horse. Probably for one horse. $1,100 a month for training, board plus $175 every eight weeks for shoes and sliders, $60 a month for massage, plus lessons for my show horse. For my two minis at home, $200 a month for hay, $40 a month for grain, $80 every eight weeks for trims, $50 a month for bedding, plus, of course, the miscellaneous yearly shots and vet bills. Somebody else responds... $500 for full care board, 24-7 turnout, $300 for training, up to five lessons per training, rides a week, $50 barefoot trim. Somebody says, wow, $300 for five lessons and rides per week sounds crazy if that's your monthly cost. I pay more than this for one to two lessons a week. Let's see. That'd be five lessons a week trying to think what that would be how many so that'd be 20 lessons a month 300 I don't know guys I don't do numbers so I ain't trying to do math here $100 for board 75 for trim 37 for bedding $100 for hay $20 for grain very cheap by region standards and includes turnout One of the reasons it's so cheap is because the boarders take care of the owner's horses when she travels. We help out with feeding and turnout if needed. That's nice. Somebody else says $500 for full care board, $750 for full care board and training. 
Wow. Okay. So I brought, I wanted to bring this one up because honestly, I get like questions about this a lot. Like how much does it cost to own a horse? How much does it cost to, um, you know, just own a horse? Like I get that question all the time. And the one thing I always tell people, everybody, I tell all people, it depends what kind of horse owner you are. And that is 100%. I will always stand by that. It depends what type of horseman slash horse owner that you are, because there are some of us that can keep our horses at home. Others that can't, even if you board, you know, $500 a month for full care board. Okay. That's fine. Um, but at the same time, somebody else is going to be paying $500 a month for full care board, plus their lessons, plus their shoes, plus their tack, et cetera, et cetera, because they need to go to all these shows. So it's really, really variable. It really depends. It depends if your horse is special needs. Does your horse have to be on a certain type of grain? Does your horse have to have certain type of shoes on, et cetera, et cetera. Um, your vet bills are going to vary for that as well. Does your horse have medical needs where they need to be seen by the vet more often? Is your horse an easy keeper where they can eat just the cheap waterway hay or do they need the best quality hay on the market? It seriously depends. There is no definite answer on how much it costs to own a horse, but I think it is important to recognize that there are some people that pay a ridiculous amount of money to own their horse or to show their horse, etc. And there's people that don't have to pay much at all. I am very fortunate. I am very, very fortunate to be able to currently own seven horses um, and really not have to pay a whole lot. I have my horses right now. I have them at home. Most of my life, I've been able to have them at home. Um, and they're all really fairly easy keepers. They get round bales of waterway grass hay or grass alfalfa mix hay for around 60 bucks a piece. Um, they get some grain. BB mostly is the one who eats all the grain during the summer. Um, and that's about it. Those are my, my regular expenses. BB is not getting grain right now because she's on the round bale and she honestly looks pretty good. So, and I'm not riding her, so I'm not stressed about her losing weight, but other than the random vet bill, I'm going to be getting her Akagans and her shots and stuff updated as we come into riding season. But yeah, it doesn't cost me a whole lot. I do have to buy small squares for Sugar and Luna because I can't get a round bill back there. So that costs me around 80 to 100 bucks a month, whether that's buying hay or just driving to and from my dad's to get our free hay. But honestly, that's about it. I'm trying to think. Fencing does cost. So, I mean, if you if you want to have a horse at home and put up fence, you're going to have to invest in fence. And good fence, quality fence, is going to cost more than, you know, just like those little sticks that you put in the ground and some hot wire. Um, so, yeah, just my two cents. Um, if anybody ever asks you, you know, how much does it cost to own a horse? You really, your answer means nothing. Like, it doesn't mean anything because the person right next door to you might be paying way more. Oh, I will say, I also trim my own horse's hooves, which, you know, agree or don't agree. I don't have to have that extra expense of the farrier all the time. I trim my own horse's hooves. They're not lame. You know, Sugar has crappy hooves, so she is what it is. But 
all of my other horses, you know, I've never had a lameness problem. Um, so I don't have to pay for a farrier every six to eight weeks. But my farrier next door, the one that I do use on occasion, he's my next door neighbor. He's like 35 a barefoot trim. So he's pretty affordable. Okay, we got a couple more. We got two more. So this next one is called Advice on How to Leave a Barn. I posted a while ago about looking for a more affordable half lease and got the advice to look into private leases. I have a friend who is a trainer and competes at a high level dressage and has offered to help me look at ads and visit because I did not feel confident finding one myself. I have very quickly found myself a really nice couple prospects in my budget who seem like a great fit and I have some scheduled visits coming up. A problem is I'm terrified to leave my current barn. I have a lot of anxiety and I'm a big people pleaser. I've heard some things about people leaving that have started drama for seemingly no reason that I can see anyway. I won't go into specifics, but to me, it seems quite petty. I have learned a lot from this barn and appreciate that, but these are great opportunities to continue learning in the direction I'd like my riding to go with my own horse. My trainer friend has told me a that this isn't uncommon in the horse world, especially at large competition barns, but I can't take it personally and have to just push through it for my goals and mental health. Any advice on what to say or have you been in this situation? Thanks. Okay. First comment, leave on good terms if you can. Your reasons for leaving are legit. You have the chance to develop your riding with horses that are a good fit for you. You can tell your current trainer you appreciate their time and instruction Wish them continued success and move on. It's easy to overthink these things. If you're honest and kind, you'll do well. Someone else says, just keep it friendly and straightforward. If you're canceling via text or email, you can write something like, hi, I'm writing to let you know that I will not be scheduling any more lessons at this time. I want to tell you how appreciative I am, etc." Um... From how I left my last barn, end on good terms and no one, you are leaving the barn. Then just, what? Oh, end on good terms. Tell no one you are leaving the barn, then just stop showing up. Okay. That's a weird response. All right. My advice on this, because I've boarded at several barns, um, I'm lucky enough that I have never been at a barn where the owner has been petty really I I think if you're going to own a business at all any business for this matter um, but a horse business alike if you're going to own a business you should be able to be grown enough you should be able to be mature enough to know that not everybody not everybody is going to be your customer the customer for you anyway Um, there's going to be people that come and go and there's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but there's going to be people like my boarders. Last year, before they came back, they had told me that in a couple of months, they were planning to move their horses to a different place because that place had a pasture so they could eat grass. They didn't have to buy hay to feed. I totally understood that. I was like, no problem. Like, thank you for letting me know a bit early so that I can plan. I can, you know, see if, if anybody else wants to board here no big deal. It wasn't anything personal. I don't have lush green pastures at the moment and they wanted their horse to be on pasture. No biggie. Um, 
if you have a trainer or a barn owner that is petty and is going to get mad at you for leaving their barn, honestly, it's not a relationship to pursue anyways. Um, that's just immature business practice to me. I mean, I've worked at several facilities. I've worked at them. I've boarded at them. And every one of them, the owners have been great. I boarded at my last barn for like five years. And when soccer died and I took my last horse there home, she was like, I wish you all the best. You know, let me know if you need anything in the future, etc." And we left on good terms and there's no hard feelings. There's nothing to have hard feelings over. I mean, people move on, people move their horses, people move on to different horses, to different barns. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is part of the journey of having horses. That is part of becoming a better horseman and having more experience. So honestly, like if, if your barn owner and you have a good relationship, then it shouldn't be really that hard. Um, like people have suggested, write them a nice email or text or something and just say, hey, I want to let you know ahead of time, but I am going to be moving or I'm not going to be continuing lessons just because I've found a lease horse at this other barn and it's just what's going to be best for me right now. There is nothing wrong with doing what's good for you. You have to take care of you. So yeah, just leave on good terms. And if they are for some reason upset with you for that, then you did yourself a favor anyways. Okay, this is the last one. My barn doesn't allow shoes. My OTTB cannot handle being barefoot and was absolutely crippled when we pulled his shoes. I got x-rays done and he only had five millimeters of sole in the front feet. Wow, that is really thin. Holy cow. Due to my vet and farrier's recommendation, I put him back in front shoes with pour-in pads on the front. The barn manager just told me she won't allow him to be turned out with other horses now because front shoes are a safety issue. I've had, wait, I've heard of, okay, I'm reading this right. She made a typo. Sorry, I got confused. (laughs) Again, I've heard of hind shoes being a risk, but never fronts. Now my horse can't go into the big field and will be in solitary confinement in a muddy stall area or in a muddy small area. Is this normal? Question mark. Comments. It's a nonsensical rule. Sounds like the barn isn't a good fit for your horse's needs due to the owner's weird rule about front shoes. Is there any chance that the manager is mistaken about the owner's policy? Group pasture being exclusive to entirely unshod horses is something I think would be in big bold print on the contract. That's a good point. The only time we've ever had an issue with front shoes was when we used hay nets over the round bales. And one of the shod horses liked to paw excessively at the hay. I've pulled one of his shoes off. So turning him out from then on was his owner's decision. No, that's a stupid policy. I could see an issue with rear shoes, but even then they could stip stipulate that shoes have to be rubber which may or not be a fit for your horse's finances but it's at least a reasonable policy okay so there's a lot of overall stupid rule comments on here and I kind of have to agree I do understand how shoes can be a safety risk for like hay nets or 
even just other horses getting kicked and stuff like that. Um, also, they come off in the pasture and another horse steps in the nails and stuff like that. But I don't think I've ever had a barn with a lot of horses that has ever had a rule like that because they would basically not have any business. I mean, a lot of people shoe their horses. I, w- I would probably say over half of horse owners shoe their horses. So what you must not care much about your business because you're going to lose a lot of business that way, especially if you're confining horses to solitary pens that are muddy and small little paddocks. Like people don't always want their horses and stuff like that. They would like them to be out in the pasture with other horses. So that rule doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I would agree that if she can't argue that point to the barn, then it's probably time to just find a different barn because what the hell? And your barn probably isn't going to care because I'm sure a lot of people are not boarding there anyway for this rule. So yeah, I would say find a different barn, but that is our last one. My voice is really tired. I must have not done a lot of talking today because, whew. I can like feel it in my neck. (laughs) My voice is like so tired. But anyways, oh my goodness, I need to stretch. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Oh oh my gosh, I think that's the first time I've yawned this whole episode. I'm impressed. Um, But yeah, let me know what you guys thought about this episode down below. Check out my latest YouTube video if you haven't been over there yet. I made a homemade DIY slow feeder that I I made a little tutorial on how I made it and it pretty much cost me no dollars. Um, if you don't already have a barrel and a hay net, you'll need those. But plastic barrels aren't that expensive. Like you can find them on Facebook Marketplace for like $10 or something. Like people are usually selling them. That and your $10 hay net, it might have it may have cost me $20 all in all. But Go check it out if you haven't. It turned out pretty well. The horses have been using it, so I'm happy with it. But yeah, otherwise, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Let me know down below. Make sure to check out the description box where you can find my Buy Me a Coffee, my other channel where I've been flipping furniture this summer, and my other social medias. So subscribe if you haven't, and I will see you guys in the next one. Bye.